Hey, Night Owls. Welcome to the next episode of Isn't It Past Your Bedtime. I'm Rachel. And I'm Krista. Uh, This time for choosing a book, I feel like this is kind of unique. I don't know how other people choose books, but I think when you hit the point when you've read as many books as we do, it can be challenging to like randomly pick a book, you know, Mm -hmm. like we fall back on our usual like genres and things. And obviously you and I are both currently picking from our to be read pile. So there are commonalities in the things that we're picking. Yeah. See, the genre is still there. But yeah, but between our two books, there isn't necessarily a similarity. We went with like, you had me at hello, which I thought was kind of fun. Although Mm -hmm. I did have to then open every single book I own and read the first line. Yeah, I will say that I found it from like a TikTok. Somebody was like, one-liner books and I was like oh right that's right yeah where did that originate that was not my brilliance I wish it was though but Mm, I appreciate you being honest about it though yes (laughs) um that was the only real intro I had so we're just gonna talk about mine because I am gonna tell you what the first line was that got me um so the book that I picked this time around was The Witch Haven by Sasha Payton Smith. So my book genre is magical realism, essentially. Like it's Ooh. the normal world, but there is magic. I don't know. It feels a little Harry Pottery to me in some ways, but okay. we'll get into it. We'll get into it. Um, so this book actually has like a little like, well, it doesn't say prologue, but there's like a date on it to like give you some context. So it's basically a prologue. So I wasn't sure like is chapter one where we pick or is it the prologue where oh. we pick? technically this one page of prologue is the first line mm-hmm. both of them i thought were pretty good though so i accepted okay okay so the for the prologue though i'm going to read you both of them for the, for the prologue um the first line was the east river smelled distinctly of death and i was like mm, okay mm. i'm intrigued that's I mean, a good one on, right yeah yeah but the chapter one because I was torn right like which counts I was like okay if chapter one's first line is good too then I'm definitely in because like I was trying to get through all my books this one's amazing like the best first chapter one line ever and if you don't agree well it's okay to be wrong (laughs) so the first line for chapter one is my mother once told me a girl's success in this world was dependent on how well she could pretend technically this is the second line though Right now, I'm pretending I don't want to scream. Oh. I was like, okay, mm-hmm. all right. Yeah, because at first I was like, all right, yeah, no, I like it. And then that one, that just That's pulls the you in. Like, so it's technically not the first line, but again, the first line of the prologue was pretty good. Like, mm-hmm. it smells of death. Why? Okay, tell me more. Yeah. Like, I'm interested. But then chapter one, it really got me. So this was a very quick read. I will say that. Um, okay. Very good. Uh, let me tell you a little bit about what this book is about. So I already told you off the bat, it's magical realism. It's also historical fiction. Um, So it's based in New York in 1911. So the prologue happens in November. The main character's brother is murdered. Mm. That's why the river smells of death. Yes. Okay. <laughs> um, also, I think it's like a pretty known thing that people used to just like throw people in the rivers. You yeah. know what I mean? Because I mean, like getting rid of there's no way to track. There's no DNA. Like there's no, there's nothing. It's 1911. Mm-hmm. Um, so basically the main character, Francis, it's 1911 and she lives with her brother, her mom. They don't talk about her that much, but like, you do know, basically the gist is that like, they didn't live with her. Um, she's, I'm pretty sure in some sort of like a sane asylum or in a hospital of some sort, she's unable to care for herself and her children could no longer care for her. Mm -hmm. So Francis and her brother, William were living together. William was working for like a gentleman's club just as like an assistant he would run errands for them or whatever 
And then Frances, she works in like a sewing shop. So she would make like wealthy people their fancy clothes. Oh. Okay. I mean, it's basically a sweatshop for 1911. Sure. Like, yeah. It's terrible. Like your boss is terrible. Like, you know, they're men who take advantage of the women that work in their shop. Um, but her brother's murdered. He's his body is washed up ashore. Um, I think it's like a week or two after she realizes that he's missing. Um so she now has to support herself, essentially. Mm-hmm. She just continues to work at the sewing shop, which is where we, we kind of pick up in chapter one. So she can no longer live where they were living before. She couldn't afford to do it. So she finds this job at like a new sewing shop where they had like an apartment above where some of the girls lived. And it was mm-hmm. like, they would just like garnish their wages basically to like help pay for oh. what, like room and board a little bit. So like mm-hmm. it was kind of a balance where like she didn't really make a lot of money, but she had somewhere to live. Yeah, so, that's fair. you know. You're just surviving, really. Mm-hmm, like, she doesn't much. really seem like she loves it. She does seem to enjoy sewing itself, but her boss is a real creep. It's 1911. They can do whatever mm-hmm. they want. They can take advantage of whoever. So the first chapter really sets up the whole scene, truly, for, like, the entire book, which is kind of crazy. Like, they did a really good job with that. I, I really liked this person's writing style. Um, So Frances is working in the shop. She's got this, like, very intricate jacket that's due the next morning. Her boss comes in and he starts like hitting on the girls and everyone's trying to like stay out of his way, get their job done, but he's distracting them and he's like messing with their stuff. And like, he like messes with her pile of like pre-cut fabrics. And so she's now got to reorganize them. I was, I was frustrated for her for that. Oh, like, I was going to say, I'm already angry. Yeah. I'm like, that. I would be so pissed. <laughs> yeah. But don't he just, like, touch my shit. <laughs> yeah. He just like nonchalantly just starts like sifting through like the pieces of the pattern that she's already got together and then puts them back in like a weird pile. And she's like, it's going to take me 20 minutes just to sort out what he just did. Like, so her frustration is, like, very palpable. And, like, all of the girls kind of feel this way. Um, And, like, he's just somebody that you wouldn't want to be alone in a room with, right? So Frances has to work late um, because her boss distracted everybody and (laughs) messed up with her stuff. And it's due the next morning. Like, the person is expecting their fancy, I think it's, like, blue velvet. It doesn't really matter. Um, Their fancy coat the next morning delivered to them. So she has to get it done today. Like, it's not really an option. The lady who's, like, kind of a house mom like she's like in charge of this the the sewing shop but like she's not the owner you know mm-hmm. um she was like okay well don't stay too late like she seems like a kind of nice lady although you know she does have to manage where she works it's a whole thing yeah product of their time i feel like honestly like most of the relationships she has with other women um so francis is staying late she's got like a candle going she's trying to finish her work and the boss the owner walks in yeah. and she's alone and he makes these like uncomfortable acknowledgements towards her saying he calls her by like the wrong name i'm pretty sure he's like been drinking and so she's just like i am not safe like this is not okay i should not be here um i'm not really even gonna put a trigger warning on it though honestly because nothing really happens like he does clearly like go to attack her but he like goes to attack her and then he's dead on the floor in front of her oh like just like suddenly yeah like her scissors flew across the room, went into his neck, and this man is just dead on the floor. And she's like, well, shit. Because, <laughs> like, everyone knows that she's working. They're her scissors, and everyone yeah. knows, like, which scissors are theirs. Um, Nobody's going to believe that they just magically flew. No. So like, he's murdered, dead on the floor, and she's just, like, problem-solve mode. She's like, okay, what do I do? How do I potentially get away with this? So she finishes the coat, mm-hmm. 
that she's working on with the dead body in there. She wraps the coat up. She takes all of her clothes off and she puts them in a separate bag, but she puts it in the box with the coat so no one sees them because she does the delivery. So she's like, okay, tomorrow morning when I get up, I will go drop off the delivery, but on my way, I will stop at this dumpster that's like out of the way and I will like toss my bloody clothes. She like took somebody else's scissors to use to finish the coat and like put them at her desk, like Mm -hmm. hoping nobody would notice. Yeah. I can't even imagine how stressful this was. Oh, like, horrible. Yeah. She's like describing like working on this jacket, but like her eyes would drift to like her boss's dead body. Of and course I'm just I like, would. I can't even. But of course I would. Like, what the was stress? They not? <laughs> and it's just chapter one. Like, so oh, stressful. Yeah. So basically, though, um, she the next morning gets up, plans on trying to get rid of these bloody clothes, seeing how she can get away with it. The lady who's like the manager she knows she's she knows she did it because the police come and they ask all of the girls to like come collect your scissors and she didn't have scissors to collect like it's a very obvious honestly like she's not sure what happened like they were clearly alone she has no idea why this occurred but clearly it did like you know there's no denying that it happened um but like the manager lady was just like whatever happened she's like i get it and we will help you and it's gonna be fine but the police aren't idiots and then especially it being 1911 there's not dna there's nothing else like but circumstantially she was alone everyone knew she was alone there mm-hmm. it was her scissors you know she's gonna go to jail she's gonna yeah. go to jail so um just as the police are talking to her and talking about like bringing her down to the station an ambulance shows up And this woman rushes in and they're like, your test results are back. Like you have tuberculosis. You have to come with us to the sanitarium or torium. It doesn't matter. I think. I think it's torium. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I was like, sanitarium sounds like a clean thing. Yeah. Yeah, Sanitarium (laughs) is like, yeah. So they're using, they they tell her that she's got TB and the police are like, oh, I don't want to touch that. You know, of course not. No one wants to die of consumption. Um, I mean, I'm going to test somebody with TB right now, so. Right, exactly. And so the police were like, oh, okay, but, like, we were going to talk to her, and they're like, well, this is absolutely important for public health. Like, we have to leave right now. You'll you'll see her in a few months after she's rehabilitated, and then you can <laughs> talk to her then. And they whisk her off in an ambulance. She gets into this ambulance, and it's, like, very clear that, like, they're not actually, like, medical professionals. Mm-hmm. But they just keep telling her, like, we're going to Haven, Like, you're going to be fine. And, like, they say it's a sanatorium. And she's like, okay, am I insane? Because, like, her mom is in a facility, right? And so she wonders, like, is there something wrong with me? Like, mm. what's happening? But they tell her it's a ways away. Because this is in New York where all of this happens, um, where she initially is. And so they kind of leave. I don't know, honestly, exactly where it's supposed to be, but it's basically still New York because it's only 1911. But they go like far enough away that like, it's not Brooklyn. Oh, you know what? It's Queens. For some reason, Queens at the time was like fairly uninhabited. There weren't weren't a lot of things there. I'm like, that makes sense. Sure. Um, So they bring her just like to the outskirts. They get there and she's like, I need you to tell me what's going on right now because like, I clearly don't think I'm insane. Like, I don't think I'm sick. Like something is up. And it's like this like big rundown building. And she's just like, this can't be good. Like they're going to kill me in here. Like maybe I'm going to die. Like, I don't know what to do right now. It's a school for witches. Oh, but their cover is being a sanatorium. So that's how they deal with it. So basically one of the, the women that came to get her Maxine, there's a lot of names. So if I mix one up, I'm sorry. I'm pretty sure it's Maxine. Her power is like basically a seeker. So when someone has like a traumatic event happen and their magic like bursts out of them and comes alive, 
she can feel it. And so she can go mm-hmm. find those people and then bring them to the school. Yeah. So like, that's her job for the school. She's also a student. She's not like that powerful, but like she can seek, which is like mm-hmm. a big deal, right? You will have yeah. to know when that happens. So basically that's what that was for, for Francis is that when she was attacked, not only is she going through the trauma of like her brother has just been murdered. Like she's trying to make it on her own and her boss attacks her, her magic kicked in and stabbed him in the neck. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, nope. So as you can imagine, her entire world is just like absolutely topsy-turvy now. Um, like mm. I said, it's magical realism. Like it's the real world, but there's magic here, which is where I felt like it was kind of Harry Pottery, right? Where it's yeah. just like, yeah, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like um, all of a sudden there's magic and you have it. You didn't know it existed And before, now you're part now of the school. Yeah. yeah. But like, it's a little different in the way that like, so the school, the the people there, they're like ranging from like pretty young to like fairly old. And they're all students. I really love the way that like they describe their like outfits though. They all have these like little capes that like flow behind <laughs> them, but they're not like long capes. They're like, um, like the lady in Harry Potter, the 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 school for all women, how they have those like capes that go down to like their elbows. Oh yeah, just like the tiny little like yeah, like the little fluttery one. capes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. The capes honestly <laughs> were my favorite part because they describe them a lot often, and it's like I can see it, I could feel it, and I want one. Um, <laughs> so she goes to this this school, and so she starts to take these classes, and while she's excited that magic exists and that like she's fed and she's got a home, like she doesn't have to worry about money. Like, it's kind of great, right? Like, it seems idealistic at first, Mm -hmm. but that's not what she wants. She's like, magic exists and I can't talk to my brother. Like, I can't do these things. And I get it. Like, I would have that feeling too. Like, all this magic exists and I still can't talk to my dead relative. Like, are you serious right now? Yeah. Like, they spend all their time in classes learning how to, like, use their magic to thread a needle or scrub floors. Like, they're still Mm. woman tasks. Yeah. Because it's 1911. Yeah. So they basically teach the women to control their magic and use it to be useful, which is not what Francis wants. Mm-hmm. Like, I get it. That would be really frustrating. Sure. Um, so she gets bored really quickly with what is happening at Haven. The other girls talk about, like, how they've been there for years and, like, some people aren't very good at mastering their magic. Francis, obviously, being the main character, is amazing at it. Obviously. Um, <laughs> obviously. I expected nothing less. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't remember the exact series of events that leads up to things, but you'll have to read the book to figure that out. But basically what happens is that she decides, oh, she's getting these like handwritten letters on her pillows. And one of them tells her to like meet them outside of the, the walls. Cause you're not supposed to leave the walls. Cause it's not safe. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but she decides like, I'm going to go do it. I'm going to do this thing anyway. And she gets out there and the person's not there, but her two of her, her closest friends, like one of her roommates. And then the other one who came to find her Maxine, they're out there and they've just dug up this like book, like a magic book, but it's not the kind of magic that they've been learning. Like it's like darker magic. It's like oh. more intense, like physical, like manipulate objects, like that kind of thing. Things that they they have not learned. Um, Francis is obviously disappointed that whoever's been writing her these letters wasn't there, but like maybe they put the book here. Mm-hmm. Like, you know what I mean? Like maybe there's a connection. Cause like, that's a weird coincidence for your friends to go out that same night because yeah. like, the one who's a seeker like it doesn't just have to be like a person's magic that like triggers her but it can be like objects so like if a a magical object becomes active she can find it so they find this book essentially because i don't want to tell you the whole story but i feel like we're (laughs) still honestly at like the very beginning the whole gist of it though is that like 
the book is tied to this boy who actually knew Francis's brother um, at the Gentleman's Club, but the Gentleman's Club is actually like the men, like those are the warlocks. Like, oh. so her brother knew that magic existed. He worked for them. His friend has magic and he's, his friend was like, you know, I just felt obligated to like, to teach you things and like protect you because your brother is dead, which is very suspicious. But mm-hmm. whatever. Mm-hmm. Her yeah, sore I- friends are not like super on board with Finn. Like they think he's kind of suspicious, but they want to know more. Like they want to learn more. So they start having these like sessions outside of school where he teaches them how to use this book. And one of the things in the book, one of the spells is a resurrection spell, oh, but it's not like good. resurrect. It's like, you can talk to them. Mm. So it's not quite as bad as okay. like a zombie situation, but it's still more magic than she's been able to deal with or had any experience with. So they kind of are working their way up towards it. Although Francis is obviously very like adamant that they do it right now. Part of that is because in the book, it says um, best if done. I don't remember the exact wording, but like, shortly after they've left the, mm. the mortal realm or whatever yeah so it's like you have to do it soon after they die you can't wait too long because mm-hmm. their spirit could be not attached or whatever and like there are certain items that they have to get so the rest of the book is basically them trying to perform this resurrection spell her friends are kind of just along for the ride they don't really want to do this they are definitely suspicious um she has like a Francis has like a couple of love interests like obviously Finn being the one who's teaching magic is on that list and then Oliver her brother's like long-term best friend is in there so like there's a little bit of romance but it's not focal at all Mm -hmm. they're mostly trying to gather the items that they need in order to perform this resurrection spell um shit gets weird like yeah (laughs) as you you would expect (laughs) like you can kind of see how some of these things are going to build up to um you know the, the thing that happens in the book mm-hmm. uh there, there are some signs but it t- it took a bit of a turn i wasn't really expecting like she's not really welcome at the gentleman's club but also they want her there because she has more power than a lot of other people that they encounter as a whole and so she's mm-hmm. got to decide does she want to go to Haxhaven? does she want to leave like what is she going to do with this magic in her life and her brother and like he's, she's also trying to solve his murder right like who mm-hmm. killed him so like there's a lot of things happening kind of all at once the main thread is really that she's trying to solve her brother's murder because okay. not only was he murdered but there were other boys since then or young men i guess i don't know their ages exactly like 16 those are boys i mean let's be real yeah um but their hands were cut off oh so that's the only detail that like differentiates her brother honestly from these other bodies that have been found on the same beach generally the same manner but their hands have been cut off so she has some suspects along the way she's just trying to navigate her magic and figure out what the heck is going on here mm-hmm. i do know that this has a sequel Ooh, so okay i don't know how many there are but i know that there's a sequel and i knew that before i got to the end so i didn't expect there to be like a nice little bow Mm-hmm. and it was messy but honestly i could read this alone and still be okay mm-hmm. yeah you don't have to know the next like, one. i don't you don't have to to read the next one although i am a little curious what they're gonna do with the next one mm-hmm. um i really enjoyed it though magical realism isn't always my genre but i would say it's not outside of my wheelhouse like i do love harry potter you know what i mean yeah like i love i love that idea that like magic is real and like i like when it's baked into reality so I'm going to give it like a four and a half and I only take the half off because I definitely saw some stuff coming and I think there were some parts of it that could have been written better, but as a whole, it was, it was a good journey. Like 
it was pretty like cookie cutter though you know as far as like yeah a magic book goes that's like my big thing which is fine though like it's a formula that totally works as far as magical realism goes like you can't go too far outside of reality for it to still be considered magical realism then you're just fantasy Yeah, and at that point you need to go further, otherwise you're like weird light fantasy. Yeah, yeah. And that's why sometimes like the magical realism doesn't work for me because it's like there's not enough magic or there's too much. Yeah, it was a good balance. Okay. But you got I got sucked in really quickly. I read it pretty quickly. I did have to switch back and forth between reading and listening just because I was really busy and I didn't have time. Mm -hmm. But the narrator was really good too. So if you chose to go that route, that'd be good. But yeah, totally recommend. Was really good. Good. Mine is very different. Mine's more like thriller, murder, mysteryish, Can't wait. like very standard of what I uh, normally pick. Um, mine also was kind of one of those ones. So like the first official line of the book is the one that got me, but it has like there's parts. There's like three or four parts, and then each part has like a little sentence from a song. So oh. excluding that part, then I have my first line because that one I didn't realize when I picked it. But either way, I read. Uh, Things We Do in the Dark by Jennifer Hiller, Hillier, Hillier, I-E-R. And so the part one, first little quote is part one. She can kill with a smile. She can wound with her eyes. Billy Joel. Mm -hmm. But the actual first sentence is, there's a time and a place for erect erect nipples. The back of a Seattle police car definitely isn't it. Oh my God. I'm so into it. Right. And all of a sudden you're like, I'm sorry, what? Like, one, also Seattle. Tell me more. That's fun. It's local. And then why are we in a police car? Why are our nipples erect? What's going on? So so many questions. Yeah, exactly. So this book, and there's honestly not that much I can actually tell about the book without giving things away that you might be able to, like, piece together Mm, on your own. Got it, got it. Um, But it's primarily about um, this woman, Paris Peralta. Uh, She is a yoga instructor she is married her husband is like 30 some odd years older than her like oh my like, yeah he May was December situation yeah um so his name was <laughs> Jimmy Peralta he was an actor on the show that was like oh the Prince of Poughkeepsie which is supposed to kind of be like the prin- the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air ish oh okay got similar. it um and so he was on that like back in like I don't know 70s or 80s or something like that whenever He's, that was on retired because he was doing a lot of drinking a lot of drugs all that stuff um he got clean and sober he retired and then um all of a sudden he's like and that was when they met he was retired and that's when they she like married him and everything and then he decided to come out of retirement and do stand-up comedy and he's on Quan, which is like you ne- do yeah which is netflix's rival in the book um and he got like oh, okay three comedy special deals um or a deal for three comedy specials i guess would be how it is and so he already has the one out and people love it the second one's recorded but hasn't quite come out yet mm-hmm. um and then and like she didn't paris didn't really want him to do it because like one um he has this like tremor in his hands like he's very much getting old right he has a tremor in his hands his mom died from alzheimer's like he's kind of showing signs of memory loss and like she's really worried that when he gets back in this that the stress is gonna be too much and he's gonna turn back to drugs and everything like that fair um but he has this assistant who he's had for like 15 years or 20 years or something like that who like came up like she was because he was down in LA and then he like moved up to Seattle when he retired and she originally came up to kind of just like help him get settled and everything and then just stayed Mm -hmm. so but she really wants him to do it and you're like okay kind of suspicious what's going on Hmm. um either way so Paris has like gone up to Vancouver Canada for this yoga retreat 
uh, has come home and her uh, husband is dead in the tub. And you're literally, uh, this is like the first 40 pages right now is where I'm at. Um, She like, uh, it's very clear that he is dead. I guess she like does try to check his pulse, but it's very obvious pool of blood, water. Um, And then she apparently passes out at some point and like must've like hit her head on the tub. She basically comes to, um, there's like the assistant zoe is screaming and then the police have like all their guns pulled on her and they're like ma'am put the weapon down put the weapon down and she's like what weapon like what are you talking about like clearly very like semi-concussed at this point and then finally they're like put the razor down and she like looks to her hand and there's a straight razor like a shaving straight razor like in her hand so she like drops that they come and arrest her because Jimmy was very old school. Like, he always wanted to use a straight razor. He did finally compromise in, like, the last, like, year as his tremor got bad. Because, like, I mean, he's doing, like, a straight razor, like, on his neck, too, right? Shaving his neck. Yeah, that scares me a little. Yeah, mm-hmm. and so it was, like, he was, like, okay, yeah, no, like, I need to stop using it for my safety. Um, And so, but he still had them. Because, like, he had a whole bunch that were, like, yeah. gifts and they were engraved and things. like. You're not just going to get rid of them. Um, He also, like, had the cassette tapes. Like, not a CD guy not anything like that no mp3s or anything um and so anyway so she gets arrested and they like they're like oh what did you do she's like i don't remember which like oh first up don't talk to the police so don't say anything yeah so she gets arrested she ends up like going that she's wearing these like bright pink like fuzzy sandals that are like ostrich feathers because like the people ridiculous yeah the people at her yoga studio like got them for her as like a gift so that way she could like wear them around she was always barefoot and she just thought they were like hideous and hilarious so she like brought them home to show jimmy so that way they could like laugh at how funny this is so that's what she's wearing when she walks outside and she's in like a robe and like a nighty basically right she like walks outside and that's all the pictures that everybody's taking is these like thousands of dollars fuzzy feather slippers um Oh boy. So, yeah. So she gets arrested. She gets booked in the Seattle County Jail. Um, the only lawyer that she knows, she doesn't have her phone. Like, they don't let her grab anything, right? Like, don't grab your phone. Don't get anything. You're arrested. Um, so she calls the only number she knows, which is like her business partner at the yoga studio, and is like, hey, like, I need you to give me the number of this lawyer. And the only lawyer that she actually knows is this gal, Elise. Um, Ellis? I don't know. Whatever. It doesn't matter which one. Um, who has been like Jimmy's best friend for 50 years. Like they met in college and they have like been mm. or no, in high school, even I think they've like, oh, been wow. friends since high school. They've known each other for years and years and years. Uh, and she used to be a defense attorney and now she does like litigation, but it's literally the only lawyer that Paris knows. Um, she would at least know somebody. So it's fine. Exactly. Yeah. And like, this is just a person that like is going to help you kind of like go, but at first, but also she's like, this is Jimmy's best friend. Like if she thinks that I killed him, she might not even show up right that's true yeah so and like she was living like a pretty like quiet life like nobody really knew who she was until like a couple months ago before this um zoe like right when like the first comedy special came out zoe the assistant had um posted a picture of jimmy and paris on their wedding day and like this like article or whatever so Mm -hmm. now everybody knows who she is and she was like not okay with that like she's like i don't want a big wedding i don't want anything like i don't want my name in the press i just want like quiet life with my old as shit retired husband so she didn't marry him Carmen? apparently not she says no um the prenup that she signed she's only getting a million dollars like that's all she's gonna get in the prenup only right yeah um she doesn't really know how much jimmy is worth like even when she's signing this like he kind of is like you know like it's like i don't have like a ton of money 
Um, but like I have money enough so, for it to be worth protecting. Yeah. Yeah. And so she's like, I mean, and even then she's like, I don't really care. Like I'll sign the prenup because you want me to sign the prenup. She was like, I don't care whatever and like this is like his fifth wife at this point and he's like this is like the standard that my last three wives have had to sign so like it's very basic but then like other these other things are happening where she's like i think that he has like more money than he's alluding to but like probably she, she doesn't care because at this point like kind of being with him is like really sort of like helped up her like yoga practice like she moved into like a way better space and a way better neighborhood and she has like very affluent seattle rich people coming to her yoga studio where before it was kind of like your standard like just a regular one just a small local studio yeah yeah so yeah so she's like she's doing just fine for that like and she had a condo that she had bought or she yeah she like bought a condo and i think jimmy helped her like fully pay it off or something and so she but and he was like well keep it and like rent it out so that way you can like still just have disposable or maybe that's what it is it was like rent it out and just pay it off that way and like he paid off some of it too so she's like you know like at the end of the day like a million dollars and she still has this condo and her business like it's it's not enough that she never has to work again. Is her word? She'd be set for a while though. Yeah, and also she likes working. She likes her yoga studio. So she yeah. So according to her, no, she did not marry him for money. Um, she also didn't necessarily marry him for love. It was Those are the like, two things. It was like um, <laughs> what's a good one? Comfort. Like she's comfortable with him. She loves him okay enough. She likes spending time with him. She's like, I don't hate him. It's fine yeah and like so companionship reasons yeah that would be a good way to put it i think okay all right i could see that i accept yeah, yeah. uh but of course that is not what anybody in like on in all the comments say as soon as it's like breaks you know no, i wouldn't either like, oh. i'd be like oh she, she yeah. murdered him she's a gold digger exactly yeah uh and so she's kind of waiting at least or at least whatever the lawyer friend does show up um and is like and paris is like yeah i didn't kill him and she's like, if I thought you killed him, I would never have shown up here. Um, and so, anyways, basically, um, she manages, they have, like, bail. She has to, like, spend, like, the night in jail or something like that. Um, mm-hmm. She gets out on bail and out. I mean, she doesn't have to do anything, right? Like, pretty much just sit in your own home on house arrest. Where your husband was murdered. Yeah. Zoe has the, like, these cleaners come in and fully clean it. So it's fine. I think, actually, she spent, like, two nights in jail, maybe. Oh, no. I mean... So she spent a night in jail and then it was an active crime scene. So she wasn't allowed to go back to the home. So she got put in a got hotel. It. So she was in a hotel for like a week or something. That's why they have those crime scene cleaners though. You know what I mean? Yeah, like they... exactly. Mm-hmm. And so that's what back. they did. Yeah. So they came, they cleaned it. It was fine when she got there. Um, things are happening when she gets back that like I was way more suspicious of than her. Like, like they, police? They, ha- they have like a um, an alarm system on the home. It can be activated by a phone and it's like not working. And she's like, oh, they must have, the police must have reset it. Like, nope. That's not really what the police do, but okay. Nope. Um, and like the alarm wasn't set when she got home, but also like when she discovered that Jimmy died, but also at the same time, like he's forgetful, he's losing his memory. So like it's- a- So he could have just forgotten to set yeah. it, yeah. Yeah, so it's very probable. Could have gone either way. So right. all that's going on. And then we kind of go to this other part where there's this guy, he has this podcast uh, where he like covers crimes. And so- He's covering the release of this woman, um, Ruby Reyes, who was known as the Ice Queen. She was supposed to get life, and she just got out. She had life um, with the parole option at 25 years. So it's been 25 years, and she just got out. Um, and he, like, knew her daughter 25 years ago. So he has, like, this, like, personal interest. So mm. he, like, starts looking into it and is, like, basically wants to make sure that, like, because something happened to the daughter. 
um and he has like all of this guilt about what happened like they had this huge fight and he hasn't seen her and all these terrible things happened basically after that and so he kind of blames himself because it's literally like hours after the fight if he had just like gone back sooner or like not said the horrible things that he said um anyway his whole plan with this is that he wants to make sure that everybody knows that ruby is a horrible horrible person who like killed her rich husband in cold blood so that's that's kind of like the tie between the two is that it's like old rich Mm. husband dies did woman kill him right Um, and honestly other than that i can't really tell you anything more about it because Mm. you'll start to you'll figure out too many things on your own um i don't know that the like there was like a twist i guess maybe there's like a part where they like connect the stories i had it pegged early on honestly some people could probably peg it just from what i've already told you um I, I did try to hold out just enough details so that you know I have no guesses so yeah, I think you did yeah, good yeah because there's one part I could have said one other thing and I think people would have been able to put it in too much yeah yeah and so I pegged it really early on and I was right but I don't know that it was supposed to be like this big aha <gasps> twist you know um because mm. the other okay. thing basically what like uh Paris's lawyer because she ends up being like hey I can't be your lawyer like I'm not a defense attorney and i haven't been for like 20 years so they get this really good defense lawyer um and basically what they're saying is because right the um burden of proof is on the state to figure out but their one is that like um he killed himself because he's tried before like he's tried to kill himself before and then they're like okay well he like cut this femoral artery was cut in his thigh like that's a weird thing to do and they're like no because last time he did it on his arm and like the scars is like his biggest regret like he hates having to look at them every day so he's like you know they do it on his he's like there was their explanation is like if he were to do it on his leg and he were to survive it he could hide it a lot easier. he wouldn't be able to see it yeah yeah so you're like okay like that's fine and like his dementia is getting bad like as the story is going on you're like realizing like oh there are all these like little clues that are going on and he had to watch mm-hmm. his mom go through it so you're like okay like there are Rough. more and more reasons why like the suicide option is probable and really that's all they need they just need a jury to say it's probable like reasonable doubt yep that's all they're trying to do um and so yeah so it's all going on that we're like going back to the podcast guy and they're sprinkling all of that information in and like you're seeing what's huh. going on we also do know that paris and we know this within the first 40 pages um her the last time she was in the situation where she had to like reinvent herself or something as she says it also mm-hmm. ended in murder so this isn't her first person that she's like murdered or murdered been around accused of murdering murder adjacent, murder adjacent. yeah like whichever <laughs> yeah. one you want to pick and i didn't even know if i gave it away there because i said like seven options and i honestly don't know which way it would be the proper way now that i know all the information anyway murder adjacent so like you already know that she's like done some messed up shit in her past and like at a certain point, police are like, mm, that's not a coincidence. Yeah, but they don't know about it. But they don't. Oh, that's true. Because yeah. she reinvented Yeah, mm-hmm. she reinvented herself. So she's like, oh, I'm going to have to do it all over again now. Suspicious. Yeah. And then turns out, you know, she got a lot more than a million dollars. Did she know? Did she not? Also suspicious. Uh-huh. And a lot more than a million dollars. Mm. So like, oh, maybe she did. I'm intrigued. Maybe, yeah, maybe she did know about the will. Maybe all in all, I'm giving it like four four and a half only because i would sit down for like a half hour or an hour and read like a half hour to read the book and i'd get like 20 pages which is like yeah like when you're doing the math like it's not bad but i and i was like hooked like the book is good and i was invested but i think it was just something about the writing style that like i had to Mm, slow down so much more than like i was like a fluid read yeah and like and it wasn't anything that like jumped out really obvious that was like causing me to slow down it was just weird yeah like it the, the amount of time it took me to read this like what 
330 page book and it's a book of the month one so like the font's big the spacing's big i was like why is this i had to go to like update like oh i read more it's like oh i read 22 pages what like huh. so weird yeah so that was it and then um you do figure out what actually happened in the end which i like you get a full wrap up um but some of it was just like huh like the way that i wrapped up i mean it's fine but i wasn't like oh my gosh wasn't and, odd yeah and then the fact that like the middle part twist that i don't know if it was supposed to be a twist but i pegged it so far before there was one part okay. that i did not see coming though so i was like oh, okay that's that good at nice. least yeah so it does it also wrapped up quick in the end like all of a sudden you have like, like 40 pages done. left and it's like oh but here's what we did and you're like oh like the epilogue like something wraps up in the epilogue and you're like huh okay sure um, i feel like mine wrapped up kind of quick too so i know what you mean like all yeah. of a sudden i was like in the last 30 minutes all this shit happens like yeah uh but i will say i really liked the book i like the author like i would definitely read another book by this author like also like her main character is like filipina and so like kind of has all of like that sprinkled in like Fun. seattle there's canada which is like where she's lived the author has so it's like kind of local like i know some okay. of the things you know so all it's right. a lot of fun yeah i would i'd read her next book when it came out okay i don't know if one other one already has come out i didn't look to be honest i should look but i did like her so it's a winner well they had us at hello and they did pretty good throughout mm-hmm. the whole book so yeah i mean erect nipples you know i mean you got me there i still want to know why her nipples were erect but maybe i just have to read it yeah i can just tell you it has nothing really to do with it it's just cold out and she's like in like a teeny little like okay i was like maybe this feeds into the whole thing no no yeah she like didn't have a bra and she just had like a little nighttime pajama something on yeah exactly yeah and she like had slippers on and it was just cold because it's seattle and it was like fall or winter or something 40 yeah 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 yeah. they were not erect from um arousal okay i was wondering if it was going to be like a whole additional thing Mm. okay thank you no that would have been cool no yeah but they did good snatched me in because it could have been like they did they did paris peralta was really sad that she was being arrested and it would have been like oh okay sure right but no mm. mm-hmm. Interesting. i liked it well, good so, pick yeah we have all kinds of fun things next month in june minis uh, in june are back other things you know just go back and listen it's summer almost well in june it'll be summer but yeah Fun things. In the meantime, Instagram isn't past your bedtime. Twitter, IIPYB underscore pod. And TikTok is also isn't past your bedtime. And yeah, we'll talk to everyone later. Bye, everyone. Bye.